0: Well, hello again, friends. Uh, It is another day, another day, trying to maintain at least a modicum of cheerfulness uh, in the midst of uh, all of these issues and problems and war. I want to talk to you today about the Supreme Court, as if you didn't have enough To worry about. But what I want to tell you um, is this. First of all, historically, Andrew Jackson allegedly defied the Supreme Court in 1832 over a case called Worcester versus Georgia. It involved Georgia's attempt to apply state laws to Cherokee lands. As the story goes, Jackson announced, uh, quote, John Marshall, who was then the chief justice of the court, John Marshall has made his decision. Now, let him enforce it, unquote. Now, whether Andrew Jackson actually said this is disputed, but it illustrates a fundamental truth about the Supreme Court that I want to talk about today. Uh, It has no power to enforce its decisions. Alexander Hamilton called it the least dangerous branch of government because it has neither the purse of Congress nor the sword of the president. So what does it have? It has nothing but the public's trust. That trust is now eroding, arguably faster and more dangerously to its future than at any time in the Supreme Court's history. The court confronts a very profound crisis of legitimacy. After several days of hearings last week on the confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson, Republicans on the Judiciary Committee made it clear they had no interest in knowing anything about her, but only making false charges and smearing her with innuendo. The relentless attack on Jackson's sentencing in child pornography cases will forever brand her in the minds of some Americans as soft on child porn, completely without any basis. Then came the news that Virginia Thomas, wife of Clarence Thomas, was actively engaged in trying to overturn the outcome of the 2020 election, including being present at the Trump rally, immediately preceding the assault on the U.S. Capitol, and sending numerous emails to Mark Meadows, then Trump's chief of staff, urging him to find ways to reverse the election. Yet, without recusing himself or revealing his wife's activities, Thomas was the only justice to dissent in the Supreme Court's decision in January to to reject Trump's request to block documents from being released to the House Select Committee investigating January 6th insurrection. The court's legitimacy was already under a cloud because of Trump's and Mitch McConnell's relentless packing of the High Court, Uh, starting with the blockade of Merrick Garland's nomination in 2016 and culminating in the rushed confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett just days before the 2020 election. Republicans have signaled that partisanship is at the heart of the court's decision making. This worries me on several levels. America needs a Supreme Court that's trusted to make difficult decisions, particularly about protecting the rights of individuals and minorities. The political branches cannot do this because at best they reflect the will of the majority. At worst, they reflect the will of the wealthy and powerful. I know the Supreme Court. I'm fortunate enough to have argued cases before it. I also clerked for the chief judge of the first circuit whose decisions, some of whose decisions went to the Supreme Court. It can be and has been a remarkable institution for the good. So who can rescue the court now? The only member of the court with specific responsibility to do this is its chief justice, now John Roberts. Roberts must push the court to accept a code of ethics similar to the code now governing the lower federal courts. Roberts also must ask Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from all further cases involving Donald Trump or the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Roberts must be an outspoken public advocate for the court's impartiality. And he must openly and clearly ask the Senate to conduct confirmation hearings in ways that respect the integrity and dignity of the court. The court can protect the powerless in our society only if it has the trust of most Americans. When in 1954 it decided that racially segregated schools violated the constitutional rights of black children, many Americans were outraged. They ultimately came around in part because of the trusted role the court held in American society. When in 2015 the court narrowly ruled that the Constitution guarantees a right to same-sex marriage, it also faced blowback, yet here again its decision was considered the law of the land. But when in recent years the court's conservative justices have ruled on voting rights, gerrymanders, and campaign finance, In ways benefiting moneyed interests and voter suppression, trust in the court has eroded, not because these decisions were wrong, but because they appeared so patently one-sided on behalf of the powerful. In September 2005, I testified against the confirmation of John Roberts to be Chief Justice because I was not convinced he would adequately protect the court's integrity. As I noted then, uh, and I've included a clip of it on this page, Roberts had told the Judiciary Committee that he would side with the powerful, that is the big guy, when the Constitution told him to, and he'd side with the weak, the small guy, when the Constitution told him to do that. But the Constitution says nothing about protecting the powerful. It's entirely about limiting their power and protecting the rights of individuals and minorities from the powerful. The court's not going to die, but unless Roberts responds adequately to the current crisis of legitimacy, the court will be reduced to becoming yet another instrument by which the wealthy and powerful entrench themselves, another casualty of the vicious and divisive era we are living through. The good news, it doesn't have to be. The good news is Roberts can respond.